Record Collections and Recollections. Out of the Box, with Mia Hull on FBI Radio. Hey, Mia Hull with you on FBI Radio 94.5, streaming online or on the podcast. This is Out of the Box. It's a place where every Thursday from 12 to 1, I sit down with one person and look at their record collection and the stories from their life and how those things interact. Today, my guest and I are recording from so-called Redfern, which is on Gadigal land. Recording here also means we're recording on unceded Aboriginal land. So I want to take this moment to pay my respects to Gadigal elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any First Nations person listening right now. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Those big synth lines you hear playing beneath me, the ones that play at the start of every episode of Out of the Box, come from an Angel Olsen song. It's called Intern. It sounds like this. I chose that sound to start every show because I'm a huge fan of Angel Olsen and because I think she's a great storyteller, it felt like a little nod to her to play it. Angel Olsen is a prolific artist and one that can't really be defined by genre. Across her many albums and EPs, she explores alt-country, folk, indie rock, alt-rock, indie pop, synth-rock, Americana and so many more sounds and she explores a lot of stories too. And Her album Big Time, which came out last year, follows her journey of coming out as queer and losing her parents all around the same time. It's a record about love in all its forms, including love that's shaped like grief. She's in the country touring that album at the moment, and she's made time to come into the studio to be my guest on the show today. So for the next hour, we'll chat about Big Time and the moments in Angel's life that brought her to that record. She's been making music since she was tiny, so we have a lot to get through. We'll also talk about the songs that have soundtracked the big moments in her life. I'm so excited to get into the track list that she brought to the show today. Angel Olsen, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Let's go back to the very beginning. Where does your life start? Mm, St. Louis, Missouri in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> and if we zoom in a little further, can you tell me about the house you grew up in? I grew up in this old sort of Victorian house. Um with two parents that were uh, much older than all the other parents. And both my mom and my dad had been married previously before they married each other, and they both had kids. My mom had two kids, um, a boy and a girl, and then my dad had three boys, and then together they had two kids. So that's seven. (laughs) And then they adopted my brother Chris and adopted me. So I wasn't alone in the adoption part, but uh, yeah, it was a huge family. And most of them were out of the house by the time I was growing up, except for my brother, who was also adopted. Mm. And so it sounds like you were quite a lot younger than everyone else in the house. Yeah, all of my brothers and sisters were, some of them were old enough to be my own parents. So yeah, they they were having kids um, that were my age. And yeah. And I was, I grew up being close to their kids and I would always just 
not explain it to people and just called them my cousins yeah instead of calling them my nieces mm. you know <laughs> my younger brother is a little kid and i always wonder what it would be like for him to have adult siblings especially in the way that we talk around him and tell jokes and the music that we play around him as well how do you think having adult siblings shaped who you've become i think that i had a lot of different examples of what being bigger being an adult meant um and it wasn't just based on my parents and I think that I had an advantage because of that um but I also knew what to avoid (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean when you say oh just like you know stupid things that siblings do that you see and you're like oh I don't want to do that you know um You know, whereas like friends of mine would be like, I'm never going to be like my mom or, you know, I'm never going to be like my father, but they just inherently are. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, and I think that I had just like so many different examples of what an adult was so that I could kind of like figure out what I didn't want to be like. Yeah. Or maybe (laughs) take bits and pieces from the, what you do want to be. What kind of music were you exposed to then growing up with so many adults around? Um, you know, I listen to like pop radio, um, most of the time. And then it wasn't until I was like 16 or 17 that I really found out about indie rock or, um, different kinds of music. I found out about Stereolab and Mount Erie and stuff like that when I was like 16. And there was a website and it was before MySpace and Facebook called STL Punk and, People could create profiles and put like little uh, MIDI files of their music on there. And, you know, you could create your own advertising for your bands or you could find out about shows that were local, if, if they were DIY shows or if they were in venues. And so I would kind of talk with ki- other kids on the site and... Uh, yeah, I would meet up with them from different schools. We would go to, um, I just remember being like in a parking lot and like the parents would be dropping us off and like introducing us. And we, <laughs> we would like say hello to the parents and like goodbye. And then we would go into the show. Um, yeah, it sounded scary until you said the parents brought yeah, you along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis was kind of like, it was a little scary growing up. We We played a show and one of my first bands at this place called The Creepy Crawl. <laughs> and it was like adults in the front and there was a big cage around the bar so mm-hmm. like kids couldn't come back there. But it just was so funny because there was a cage for all the drinkers <laughs> and it smelled awful. Just to separate them from everyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but your car would always like without a doubt be broken into there. Oh, awesome. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it's still around but Played a lot of shows at the Creepy Crawl. I want to go back to before you started playing shows in St. Louis. Do you have memories of when you maybe first started singing? I mean, I was a little kid. Uh, I've always, like, tried to write little songs. They they didn't make any sense. My mother saw that I I had an interest in piano playing and singing, and she, she decided to pay for piano lessons for a little while with a next door neighbor. Um, and then after that, I started taking guitar lessons and I quit very quickly and just taught myself. And then 
I got really into recording stuff on a little handheld tape recorder and I would take it to the bathroom or different places in the house that were reverberant and just like listen to myself singing and then redo it constantly. And then I got a um, double tape deck and I would do harmonies and I learned Mm. how to do that. But I was really into it. I mean, I'd get home from school and immediately start recording. So... Did yeah. you ever have singing lessons or was it just you kind of checking yourself, listening to those recordings and deciding was, what fit for you? Yeah, I think it was just like obsessive, <laughs> obsessively recording and like listening back and memorizing what, how it felt when something sounded good, you know? I would love to hear those now. <laughs> I have like, I have some tapes from that time that are from the time I was like 17 or 18 in my basement where they're like in a little protected little box um I've got to find a way to just get them to be on some sort of file but yeah yeah it sounds totally different than what you would hear today yeah I mean let's sidestep from your music for a moment and instead jump into a song by Jackson C Frank Angel why'd you choose this to play on out of the box today I listened to a lot of early like folk music when I was discovering my voice and singing with guitar. I listened to a lot of Fairport Convention and, and stuff like this, and I thought it would be a good choice to start with. visions of horsemen Crowd on the ceilings Jackson C. Frank. It was Juliet on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. The chooser of that song was Angel Olsen, my guest on the show today. And before we played it, we talked about your life growing up in St. Louis, but you would eventually move to Chicago, which is where a lot of your early music would come from. So let's go there, Angel. Why did you move to Chicago? I had a boyfriend that I moved with. He was a new boyfriend. And I feel terrible about it, but I think looking back, I definitely dated him so that I could leave town. (laughs) You know what I mean? Did you know he was going to Chicago when you started dating? Yeah, I was like, okay, me too. We're actually (laughs) both going. Um, (laughs) And we got there and I was so um, overwhelmed with, I just, yeah, I was just like overwhelmed with how alone I felt and I was applying for school I I applied to go to a massage therapy school and I got a job at um first I got a job at a restaurant as a hostess (laughs) and they wanted to make me a waiter and I said I'm actually not I hate this job I'm not (laughs) coming back I'm not even giving you my two weeks and then I worked at like a sandwich shop which is even worse but it was very humbling (laughs) And and then I started work going to school and taking classes and I would go to shows whenever I could and I spent a lot of time downtown at the Harold Washington Library. It's this huge library in Chicago that has like 13 floors and at the very top they have these piano rooms so I would practice piano in there. Mm. And then I started to like make friends at the shows and, and kind of like 
ask about playing and send them stuff on the internet. Like, I have, a, I have like, four songs I could play for um, one of your shows. or So I, I started playing DIY, ho- like, houses and um, met some girls that always put on shows. Um, and, yeah, and I just started to go, even if I didn't know anyone. And, and within a year, I was sick of massage therapy and wasn't with the boyfriend anymore and was playing a lot of those shows and just, you know, it was mostly art kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd have like twenties night and we'd make twenties style cocktails and everyone would dress up and then we'd have a puppet show and, um, a DJ and, you know, two other acts and everyone, um, was it was like five dollar minimum donation mm. you know <laughs> so you know the and these and these shows blew up and and then those kids ended up like um yeah continuing for the whole time that i was there and now they have a cafe mm-hmm. it's a, it's a it's interesting to see how everyone progressed since that time period but yeah i listened to a lot of like new music when i moved to chicago a lot of soul a lot of jazz um, and the art scene there, the music scene and the art scene all kind of merged together. Um, it was like New York in the nineties or something like big lofts mm. and everybody would dress up. Um, uh, we, uh, we would have huge Halloween parties, like massive, um, events where kids were just like making gigantic big like fake cakes that people jumped out of and everyone would dress up to the nines and yeah I just I went to a lot of jazz shows um the northwestern students would do I forget what the name of the place was but I just remember going and you'd walk in and if you started talking too loud the bartender would chew you out and tell you to shut up Mm. um but we'd go to these these shows all the time and I got really into that kind of music as well when I was there. I want to jump to when you wrote Create a Destroyer. Create destroy me in my hunger world and yet starve me until I make no Can you first tell me about why you wrote that song? I don't remember who I wrote it about or if it was a person or what the deal was, but I remember writing a bunch of songs. A lot of them that are on um, Halfway Home were my earlier songs, like Safe in the Womb Mm. is probably the first song I wrote. And I kept trying to record the songs professionally with friends or with people who knew what to do and how to capture acoustic guitar and I just didn't like it I thought it was too bland or too dry or it didn't feel fun so I ended up recording them on GarageBand and just like adding my own effects and just keeping them simple John Hensey who used to run still runs a tape label called uh, Pathetic and it was mostly like atmospheric music and experimental music. I asked if I would be into doing any, in just like a short run of tapes. And I was like, oh, that seems approachable. Like in that way, like I'm not attached to anything. I, it's not like 
it's not like a big deal. Like I can just put mm. it out and see what happens. How um, did John find your music? He lived in Chicago mm. at the time and he had started the label a couple of years before. And he, yeah, he was just like, your music's really different than anything I put out, but I feel like this could be really good. And so it just was like low key. Like I was like, I don't have to worry about like going to a studio and like dealing with like finding players. Like I can just put out this thing mm. as it is. And then pretty much immediately after that, I was hired to sing in Bonnie Prince Billy's band. So I was on the road with him for two years. And the the tapes did really well, so we made it um we made an LP. And actually I remember being here when people were like I was on stage with them and they were like, Play acrobat or play the song or mm. whatever and I was like, People know yeah. these songs. I d- the internet wasn't real yet to me. Like, there wasn't Instagram yet. Um, it was just YouTube. So I was like, how do people know about my music? That's so weird. I never played any shows anywhere else other than Chicago. I feel like people were discovering your music through MySpace yeah, at that maybe, time as well. <laughs> maybe so. I could, you know, to this day, I can't take it down. They don't let you. Really? Yeah. It's still there. I've tried to take it down. It, they won't let you change it. Is all of Strange Cacti on I there? I think so. Oh, my God. A lot of it. <laughs> different versions of stuff, too. Like, yeah. Oh, my I God. Amazing. I'll put a link to that on the programs page it's really on fbiradio.com. Yeah. If you could tell them to give that back to me, that'd be great. Yeah, I'll, I'll let them know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so exciting. When you say here, you mean when you were touring Australia for the first yeah. time? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And do you think maybe that lit a fire to want to come back here and perform your own music? Yeah, I think so. I think I didn't know that people all over the world could hear my music. I just in my mind I was like people hear your music where you live. Mm. <laughs> like I still wasn't like I was just like, "Whoa." In a couple of minutes time, we'll talk more about that success and about people picking up your music in places bigger than St. Louis. But first, you've chosen a song called Lilac Wine to kind of soundtrack your time living in Chicago. Tell me about this song. Um, well, this song in particular, I learned about a few weeks ago, but I really love Nina Simone. Um, and I listened to a lot of Nina Simone in the winters when I was living in Chicago and working at a cafe and just I had to take the plane or the the train to to work every day um and be there at like 6 a.m so I'd have to leave sometimes at 4 30 to catch the bus to the train you know and then just to allow myself time so it's pretty wild like getting up that early to start the day every day and then feeling really you know, you're still getting used to living in a new place and you're really young. And I just, it was just really comforting to listen to to her during that time. From the album Wild is the Wind, this is Nina Simone, chosen by Angel Olsen on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. It's Lilac Wine. Lilac Wine I feel unsteady like my love Listen to me I cannot see clearly 
You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5 DAV or streaming via the podcast or on the website, fbiradio.com. That song was by Nina Simone. It was called Lilac Wine and it was chosen by Angel Olsen, my guest on the show today. Angel, before we played that song, we talked about your music being picked up internationally. So I want to jump to 2014 when your album Burn Your Fire for No Witness came out because by all accounts, it was a big album for you. Sonically, it was a bit of a departure from the folk Americana sound. And I think people often talk about that album as being angrier and bigger than your last ones as well. What drove you to write it? Yeah, I think that what I was trying to do was more like upbeat. And I was, Mm. I finally got a band together, which, you know, gave me a lot of inertia. (laughs) And I also uh, wasn't singing backup anymore and I was kind of like angry at my ex so I had a lot of material that was like angry and different and yeah it was the first time I was really like you know what I'm gonna just make a really loud record like it's not just gonna be folk music all the time Mm. and yeah I think people were like whoa like (laughs) I think some people were like maybe not maybe go back to the other way (laughs) but I just I wanted to expand my sound and I was like sort of I had a lot of like anger and I couldn't write those songs the way that I did previously I had to write them differently so Mm. um yeah and I think I was just kind of growing up you know I was like trying to figure out what was next and if I wanted to always be quiet and yeah I think I went on my first U.S. tour before, how was it before? Yeah, before Burn Your Fire was recorded, like the year before. And I felt really confident in a way that I hadn't felt before because people were there to see me play in different cities I'd never visited. I'd never been on tour for my own music before and there was just an audience waiting. Mm. And that was crazy to me. I was yeah. like, this is crazy. This whole time I could have been touring, but I haven't been. I felt like I I was like, okay, well, there are people out there listening, so now I just have to make more music. And I think I just didn't know anyone was listening. <laughs> I was like unaware. Um, so I felt like confident enough to bring a band with me and and, um, and explore different sound, sonic sounds, you know, and, and yeah, I think I was just... I was ready to be loud, you know. And then um, we recorded the record, Burn Your Fire, in Asheville, North Carolina. And I loved it so much that a year later we, I decided, uh, you know, I think it's time for me to move somewhere else. Like I don't need to do the grind of, like, going to all these art shows all the time anymore. Or at least not right now. I can live somewhere slower, mm. somewhere more relaxed. That kind of sounds like growing up as well. Yeah. I want to talk about that pivot between, yeah, doing the art shows and then grinding a bit more on Burn Your Fire and playing all of those shows and arriving to crowds. When music kind of becomes a job like that, I imagine it to be pretty taxing. Was that your experience? I felt excited. I think I was just so surprised and excited. I was like, you know, a lot a lot of the anger that I had propelled me to move forward and to have confidence. In a way, I'm grateful for being disappointed and people in my life back then, you know. Wait, what do you mean by that? 
I think I felt this need to like, I was really quiet and shy and sort of like in the background when I was the backup singer. And also I felt like I was just surrounded by cis men, <laughs> you know? And I was just like not sure of myself and not sure that people were listening. And I didn't have reassurance from people around me. So when I saw that there was an audience, it was like, I felt like there'd been like wool covering my eyes or something for yeah. a really long time. It's interesting you talk about, you know, being surrounded by cis men touring because I think people broadly describe my woman as a feminist album, mm-hmm. which it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like tongue in cheek, you know, for me, it's like my woman is like just I'm just talking about myself. You know, I'm talking about like it's one of those things that you just hear all the time in movies or like in songs or in just as a joke or whatever. And I just thought, well, wouldn't it be funny if I just called myself my woman? Mm. And, you know, I'm not anti-lib rights or, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not anti like equality. And, <laughs> you know, I'm, I just didn't intend for it to come off as, um, as like a feminist record. It's more just like, oh, like I was just trying to be funny with, with wording, you know, but I, I, never intended for it to be this this whole thing you know um but i'm less like bothered by people genreizing me or or talking about what they think my record is because it's really not up to me once it's out there you know i mean people interpret it to be a certain way then that's up to them you know Do you think that that's something that you've grown to learn over time? I feel like if I was creating art, I would want people to understand it the way that I understood it. I think it it can be frustrating, but then it's always like whenever someone really does get it, it's like really special, Mm. you know. But also like sometimes there's beauty in what you didn't intend, you know, and and, and what people are hearing in the lyrics that aren't actual lyrics that you wrote. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I'm, I'm feeling less controlling about it at this point. When we talk about people placing their own understanding of songs into them, are there any songs from My Woman that you think your understanding of them has changed over time or you've grown with the song in any way? You know, Sisters is a song that we play all the time and... The more that I sing it, the more I feel like, wow, I understand it now, what I was talking about. I think I was just projecting then. Um, I want to jump into a song by Tucker Zimmerman, which you've chosen to play on Out of the Box today. What made this song special to you? Um, A friend showed me this song and I learned it um, this last summer and started playing it solo. And it's just like, it reminds me of, honestly, it reminds me of when I used to listen to Towns Van Zandt. And I've sort of missed Tucker Zimmerman along the way, but I really love this song. It's just... It made me want to cry when I, when I first heard it. I love it so much. 
This is from Tucker Zimmerman's 1977 album Foot Trap. It's called Slowing Down Love and it was chosen by Angel Olsen. And the only thing that is for certain is that nothing is for sure. So may you follow where your heart may lead you. May your heart be pure And when your race is run It was Slowing Down Love by Tucker Zimmerman and you heard it here on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Mia Hull. I am joined by Angel Olsen who is in the country touring her album Big Time. So let's talk about Big Time. It's a beautiful look at love in all its shapes, romantic love and all its complexities and familial love and, of course, grief. Angel, you went through some pretty big changes between releasing your 2019 record, All Mirrors, and releasing Big Time. Can you walk me through some of those? You know, I feel like the grieving really started when the pandemic hit. (laughs) And I feel like I was kind of like discovering my identity and sexuality during that time in a very isolated way. And it's so weird to learn such a big thing about yourself in your 30s (laughs) it's really funny and kind of embarrassing but I think I'm the kind of person who just likes people and I've always been in serious relationships with cis men and I think I just always thought oh well I'm just like I'm having fun you know this isn't real about my other experiences and mm. I and I was like always pushing it off and then I met someone who really meant a lot to me and that changed everything you know and then it was very confusing and I was also alone during the pandemic when that ended when that brief thing ended and mm. I was like oh my god what does this mean and then I met someone else and it was also crazy mm. <laughs> and I think that People in the queer community have a hard time accepting someone who's pansexual. And it can be very judgy. I think in the straight community, your friends can kind of be like, does that mean that you've always had a crush on me? Mm. Or, you know, like, have you had, have you looked at me a certain way? And it's just kind of like, you just feel really isolated in a different way than I think just being like, oh, I'm gay or I'm I'm this or I'm that. Um, and I think I just thought, well, I'll just say I'm gay because I don't want to come off as like, this is just like a tote bag, like a little, like this is like a little thing that I carry. Um, but then, it, you know, it's confusing because I'm actually like pansexual and queer, you know? Mm. And um, it was just a difficult thing to process and not really having the language, having the language, but feeling like pressured to figure it out as soon as possible because I'm a celebrity, you mm. know, and like stand up for people. Yeah. And I, I was still figuring it out, you know, and then my mom and dad died. So I feel like I was like on stage on the internet during all that time <laughs> and in a way that I've never been, you know, and it's, I finally feel like normal again. Like I feel like, okay, 
I've always been queer. Like, it's not a big deal. I don't have to make it a huge deal. Like, I'm just who I am, and I love who I love. And I'm aware of these things now, and I'm aware of how to talk about them now. I wish that I'd had more conversation with my mother about it before she died, but I'm glad that I did talk with her. And I think that it's a, it's such a big thing because I know that it broke her heart, and, and she was just, like, so confused. But the fact that she loved me anyway and feeling that love anyway was good enough for me, you know. But I think a lot of people don't have that. And I feel really, I felt really like I need to talk about this experience because I want people to know that they can, they can look up to singers or artists that they love and be like, I'm not alone in my experience. Like, this doesn't have to be. If my parents don't accept the way that I am, then I, I can look to these people, mm -hmm. you know. And that's a big responsibility to give yourself. But, yeah, I guess I felt really, yeah, I felt really on the spot about it all. I'm, I feel super delayed about a lot of stuff, but I'm happy to finally just be at a place where I, I'm like, you know what, whatever I am, I just want things to be calm, mm -hmm. you know, like, I just want them to be chill. <laughs> I just want to live in Asheville. I just want to look at trees. <laughs> I just want to like, be gay. no drama, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This experience has been really fun, but I need less drama in my life. Um, and I think, yeah, I just, through that, through, like, the loss of my parents and, like, figuring out what that meant for me to be exploring my sexuality, I think I was just kind of like, okay, I just got pummeled. I thought Saturn Returns was over, mm. but I guess like this is worse. <laughs> and and I, I was just kind of like, okay, well, I feel like I learned a lot in a short period of time and I'm ready to just play music and get back out there and like appreciate the people that understand me and love me and love them back and I know that sounds really simple and stupid but at the end of the day and at, at the end of that entire experience that's all I really really want but you know? I think that simplicity shines in big time too it's obviously a record that grapples with big complex nuanced stories but the way they're laid out is so beautiful in its simplicity because I think it lays them out maybe more as feelings than as stories. And I want to know what it's like for you to shape your stories into songs that sound that way. Can you walk me through the recording process for Big Time? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the songs were written before the loss of my parents and, like, let's say seven of them were written in 2019, 2020. Mm. And then the other few were written around the time um of 2020 2021 and then i'm trying to think no i guess it was 2020 i can't remember anymore because we had to wait a whole year to come out with the record so in july um i went up to topanga and we just we didn't rehearse the songs i just sent everyone the demos and i was like I figure, like, since the songs are pretty simple, we'll just play them live, like, three or four times. And, um, yeah, I think everyone was like, 
like we're not gonna practice and i was like no 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 we're just gonna we're just gonna like listen to the demo and we'll talk about it a little bit and then we'll try it a few times because like if we get the core then we can start adding to it and and it was really like an organic experience it was kind of the perfect way to do it and Jonathan Wilson is such an incredible drummer, guitarist, singer, and he understood the process of songwriting. So he made space for it when he played drums, you know, and and I think there's a lot of really talented producers out there, but what they lack sometimes is the experience of being a writer and thinking ahead in that way, thinking about how not everything, not every space needs to be filled, that the word should land and be underlined. And I think that he really understood that. And the songs were, to me, the most consistent, simple songs I'd written in a long time. Um, So I didn't want to go overboard with adding guitar solos or anything. I just wanted it to sound great, Mm -hmm. you know? And so a lot of the time we were just drinking tequila and (laughs) smoking rollies and enjoying the the birds, the hummingbirds, and, you know, he's got a beautiful property in Topanga with the creek running through it, and just, like, going to the ocean every day. It was so chill. It was, like, such a nice experience, and I listened to a lot of Neil Young before I made the record. It was just so cool to be up in the canyon and be in this place that a lot of musicians in the 70s had recorded, and you just feel, it just felt very, like, fitting for the material, and it just allowed myself to be immersed in it and I think it was the best thing for me um a lot of people were like are you sure you want to do this because you know you're still processing what happened and I was just kind of like I'm gonna be processing it for a long time so I might as well make some music it was really fun despite you know grieving it was a good thing to be putting myself into you know do you think you can hear yourself grieving on big time you know Maybe. I I think this is how it works. It's like the one that is really directly about the loss of my parents. And just also at the time, like, my relationship wasn't going well. And we had written one of the songs together, so I was trying to keep it together. And um, I just felt really alone, yeah, when I wrote that song. And I think you can hear that, maybe. (laughs) But listening to the whole thing, I feel like there's a sense of calm. Like Maybe it's like a false calm, like the kind of calm you have when you're just too exhausted to care anymore. Mm. (laughs) I mean, you're dealing with a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like... There's a sense of like humility for me that I'm like, oh, I'm really tired of everyone and everything. And the only thing that matters is this record. Mm. You know, that's I, in my mind, that's how I felt when I was recording. You've chosen a Cassandra Wilson song to play on Out of the Box today. Is there a reason that this one stuck out to you? Um, well, I really love this version of um, of the song Harvest Moon. I first heard it on Big Little Lies and I just thought it was so good and so relaxing. And I I just listened to a lot of um, Alice Coltrane and Cassandra Wilson just like 
whenever I want to turn off and take a bath or just like mellow out. And yeah, I thought it would be appropriate to pick a Neil Young song because I'd been listening to a lot of his stuff when I made the record. But now it's getting late And the moon is climbing It was a cover of a Neil Young song on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5, Cassandra Wilson and Harvest Moon. My name is Mia Hull. I am joined by Angel Olsen on the show today who chose that song. Angel is famously a musician but also a filmmaker. You made a film last year to accompany the album Big Time, which we were just talking about. When we talked about the album, music kind of seemed like a natural way to process the things you were going through at that time. But how did the idea of film come up for you? I had wanted to make a film or short film um, before the record was made. And I had different shorts that I, I wrote but didn't know when I could do anything with them. And when when I recorded... Um, like I used to with Sharon Van Etten, we made a video with this woman, Kim Stuckwish, and I loved working with her and got to know her a little bit and found out we had the same birthday. And I was like, you know, I feel like we should make something together and got on the phone with her and started talking about her life and her dreams and we sort of combined experiences that we both had into a short film that was related to the record. And so there's a lot of, I wrote a song on my record called Through the Fires, and one of the th- first things Kim said to me was, you know that uh, that really that song really speaks to me. I feel like if there's a way to add that in to the film, I think that'd be really cool. I love uh, the way you two added that song to the film too. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It looks like Renaissance painting. It's really, she's so good. Um, but she But she herself has survived being on fire and had a really intense experience um, just overcoming that and being in the hospital for months dealing with that and has been sort of accident prone her whole life. Her entire family has been like on fire at some point and she was just going on and on about these different near-death experiences and I just kept feeling like even though I physically hadn't hadn't endured those things mentally, I could really be there with her on the same level. Mm. Um, I felt like challenged, or maybe just the way that I see the world has challenged me because I'm so sensitive, or I don't know. But I just felt really related to her and and that conversation and a conversation that was meant to be talking about music videos t- ended up just us talking about life. So we decided to c- sort of combine ideas to make this film. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really intense um, because a lot of the material is about my parents and talking about my parents and I had to repeat the lines constantly. Mm. So that was an exercise in grief for sure. I and think also including a voice message from your mom yeah. would have been really intense to have in the film. I watched the film premiere three times in different places and I was like, I'll never need to see it again. Mm. But I... 
I'm so glad it, it exists and that I could sort of bring my mother to the project in some way because she was so special and so proud of me and proud she was surprised by my music career you know and just she would leave me all I, I had all of these voice memos and I just thought well I might as well use one that is her describing a performance that she saw and her voice is so classic I feel like it just in her voice embodies who she is and, and I just wanted her to be a part of it so yeah, I loved hearing her on it. It was so special. That was the bit that made me cry the most in the <laughs> film, I think. And I'll put a link to that film on the program's page on fbiradio.com if you do want to see it, uh, because we're telling this story through radio, which is famously an audio medium. <laughs> but, I mean, Angel, if you had to describe the film quickly to someone who hasn't seen it before, what would you say it looks like? You get the music videos, but there's also... It's sort of like an Alice in Wonderland without it being completely like, you know, decked out in in that way. The film was based on a dream that I had about um, going into a hotel and taking an elevator that broke. And then suddenly I'm in this sort of garden with mm-hmm. all of these people who are in between life and death. And they want me to help them write something. And we took that dream that I had and made it a completely different uh, plot. But the original dream was really intense and really vivid. And I, I had I called her and I was like, we have to use it in some way. I know it's crazy and it's a lot to try to convince people of. But yeah, it was uh, such a weird theme of like, it felt to me like the dream was representing my grief. Like, like you're going to go back in time. You're going to go to this place in time that doesn't exist yet. And you're going to go there and be there for a while. And then you're going to come back different, you know. And I felt like that's what I was experiencing in my own reflectiveness. It's such an abstract idea, but I think that you do such a beautiful job of representing that in the film alongside Kim. So well done. (laughs) I mean, where do you go from here? That's such a feat to make that film and make (laughs) big time and now be touring it again. What does the future hold for you? I'm not sure. I think that, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready to be an actor. (laughs) Um, But I I really like making music. I think I'm always going to make music. And... um, I've got a lot of different ideas. I've always been in love with making synth songs, and I'll probably do more of that. But I'd really like to make a record that's just, like, even more minimal than this one, too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't know what's next, but I'm definitely going to keep going. (laughs) You've chosen a song by Dion to end this interview with. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. Um... This song reminds me of my boyfriend who I met on the Sharon Manhattan tour. Um, and he tried to get me into Dion a lot of times on that run. And I was like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm a Dion fan. I don't know if I can get into it. And I just finally listened to this song and fell in love with it. And I just think it's such a nice sort of chapter closer. 
It's called Only You Know by Dion on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5, chosen by Angel Olsen, my guest on the show today. Before we jump into it, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a privilege to get to learn your story in this way. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show today. If you did want to listen back to this episode, you can do that on the programs page on fbiradio.com, where I'll also have a full track list and some links to the things that Angela and I have spoken about today. You can also listen back via the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I want to give a huge shout out to Sam Dover, who normally edits out of the box, but for this episode did all the research. So thank you, Sam. Very, very grateful. And do stay tuned. Lunch is right around the corner. FBI. I want to see something.